The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 269 for July 24th, 2011. Quarterly earnings start to roll in, T-Mobile announces new value plans, and both Joey and AT&T get the next success. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Well, first this week, Joey has a new phone. Joey, why don't you tell us about what you did this week? Well, you know, I bit the bullet uh, after just all kinds of little things gnawing at me. Uh, I, I, I switched over to the Nexus S for, on Sprint. Uh, you know, part of it was the price, the $99 price point. That's a fairly recent drop uh, is a big factor in it. Uh, second of all, it kind of, depend, it, it, it kind of uh, is reliant on the work situation I've got because I've got uh, my current plan is on a uh, not a family plan, but it's a business plan that have shared lines. So, cause I just got that new Blackberry style and, uh, the person who got my style needed a, or wanted a style for a Blackberry. Cause I gave the choice, you know, do you want the bowl the style, what, you know, whatever phone. And that's, uh, the one they wanted. So I, I, I just had a brand new one because I just had that swap out uh, from Sprint. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this while the phone's new. I don't want to give the person a, you know, a nasty old scratched up phone. So that was part of it. And then, the other part of it was just the fact that um, the tethering does not work on any of the new uh, OS 6 builds for the style. Uh, the 522 that Sprint put out official, the leaked 522, and the 600 that was on uh, official from another carrier didn't work with the tethering either. So I was stuck at the uh, 436 build from, boy, I think October maybe, or, or not October, it wasn't that, it's more like December. So... And, and, you know, you really do need these software updates for them to fix things because they, they're, they're updating it for a reason. So you've gone through a number of Android reviews recently, and so you've had a, a chance, obviously, to use it and, and learn and, and kind of get to, get to know what Android is all about. Uh, but from a, a recent BlackBerry user and someone who's been using devices with physical keyboards, you, you chose the S over uh, the Droid Pro, or I guess the Expert is what Sprint calls it. Why'd you do that? Yeah. Um, it, that was a really tough decision. Um, you know, the price is about the same. It's one thirty for the expert. So that's kind of a non-issue. Uh, two, the two biggest reasons were the, the, the expert was kind of uh, jerky and slow with the screen scrolling. I mean, that really did irritate me. It wasn't, it, something's weird with that. I mean, I think it's something they can fix, but I don't know if they ever will. Um, also the, uh, the, the size of the screen was a little bit smaller. Uh, it was still pretty good, though. I mean, I, I did like that. The keyboard was excellent on that thing. Uh, the, the, the Exchange server email was a little rough on that. I, I thought it was too different because it's the Motorola blur front end mm-hmm. uh, that handles that email, not just the Gmail application. So then the other, and then the, the reason that swayed me to the Nexus S was that it is much, much smoother uh, performing uh, but also it's the stock Android. It's the Nexus. It's the, you know, it's going to get an update uh, sooner for, for a new version. It's just raw Android. There's nothing else running in the background on it. And then uh, kind of physically for the size of it, I get a much, much, much bigger screen um, for that, for watching Netflix, which of course this supports and the expert doesn't. So that's 
a little factor in my decision, not a huge factor, because I, I probably won't use that that much. Uh, 4G wasn't an issue, but but it was a factor because I can get this phone with 4G on it and the expert without, and it doesn't cost any more per month because now every phone on Sprint is a, is a premium phone. And of course, the 4G is a premium thing, so it's the same price. So uh, in the handfuls of areas that I may end up in with 4G service, I'll have a 4G connection available. So that's that's one little aspect to it. And it's just kind of the combination of those things combined that uh, led me to uh, the Nexus S. We're going to talk about it when we get into the software section. There is an update that's going to be uh, forthcoming here for uh, the Nexus S, which potentially could help with some of the issues with the 4G. Um, but uh, but overall, though, ha- has your experience with it been any anything different or better or worse since, since the review that you did last month? Yeah, you know, I actually have noticed I don't seem to have the signal strength that I did with the review unit. I've been noticing uh, quite a bit of 1X and um, the, the 4G that I have been around, it's, it's been very weak. Um, so, and the battery life is okay, but this is a brand new device. I've had it since I think Wednesday. So it's, uh, the battery's probably still not quite broken in yet. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it definitely does seem like it needs a little bit more signal. Uh, especially now because I was comparing it to my BlackBerry that was actually working. Whereas when I had this before, my BlackBerry wasn't. So this seemed better at the time, which uh, that could be my, my results are a little skewed here as far as the comparison goes. So it's a, uh, it's definitely a, a, a neat device. And you know, one other f- uh, factor is, is the, the Wi-Fi tethering is um, open right now on the, the Nexus S with Sprint. Well, we'll see what happens with that if the update changes that at all. But uh, you know, it's 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 good to always have new phones. I think it's fun to try out different things. And you've uh, you, you've got a lot of jealousy on my side right now because I'm someone who has been looking at this device for the AT and T network. Um, and uh, again, that was also another thing that happened this week. A new Nexus S comes out on AT and T. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit as well. But overall, I'm happy with your decision so far. It's gonna it's gonna stay with you. Yeah, yeah, no, I have no regrets right now on this. There's there's been no thoughts of oh, I should take this back and get the expert or no, I should go back back to the BlackBerry. Um, you know, obviously t- typing on the on-screen keyboard, no, mostly I do it in the portrait mode. Um, you know, most of the time it actually works pretty fluid, but other times I'm I'm like mush finger and I'm bumping all of the soft buttons down below and I'm bumping to the things above and I the the, the words that come out the screen are just bizarre, uh, you know. So I, I don't know. I think I just have to get a little bit more used to the typing, but for the most part, it's pretty decent. Typing on glass is something that certainly does get you know takes some time to get used to. I've been doing it for now what four years. Uh, since I've been using the iPhone, or at least variations of the iPhone, and then of course the copycats, if you will, that have come on after that. So anyway, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be a lot of fun for you, a, a fun uh, change, you know, to to switch over to there. A couple of things I'm sure have uh, kind of been annoying that you don't have on the BlackBerry, like the note syncing. But I think you you said you found some some options there. Oh for yes, the note syncing. That was one thing that was really keeping me with the BlackBerry. I know it's kind of a trivial function, but when you use them all the time to keep track of things that you're just you know little things you're keeping track of for work, especially. Uh, it's it, it, it's one of these features is like, okay, this is so basic. Why don't they have it? You know, why didn't the uh, Microsoft Exchange server protocol support that before the 2010 version? And uh, I found something that's called uh, the missing sync and the uh, companion application called Flick Notes that you can get for free. And it basically just gives you the, the basic notepad. I mean, that's what the notes are in Outlook. That's what this replicates. And this does do an over-the-air sync as long as you're on the local Wi-Fi network. Um, so when I go to my office, my, there's a, a a client that runs on the desktop computer, uh, that will 
that uh, that grabs the Outlook notes and syncs them to this application using a client that's on this Android phone. And it uh, uses, basically, it'll look at the SSID of the network that it's connected to. And once it's connected to that Wi-Fi network, then it will uh, trigger the sync at the schedule that I, I set it. So once a day, a couple of hours, whatever it is. And uh, so far, the, the categories don't work, but I can work around that. So that's definitely a solution, which it's the only one I was able to find so far. Because Evernote just... I, I'm just not interested in that because I want to keep the things in Outlook. I want to be able to 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 do it that way because uh, I've got an application for the iPad that syncs the notes directly from the server themselves over there. So I wanted to keep that uh, intact the way I was doing it. Hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm not someone who likes to, you know, read totally redesign how you have a workflow process, especially if it works well. So, uh, and then you said, what was the companion app called that, that you were using to sync onto the device itself? It's called flick notes, F L I Q. Um, so that application is actually free. Then there's also a task one they have, because they have basically the task manager that replicates, uh, from outlook, but this, uh, this missing sync, I'm actually on a 14 day demo. I downloaded it from CNET. You can't get it from their own website, which is kind of irritating, but, uh, it'll sync all kinds of other things. Like it'll keep pictures in sync. It'll keep your calendar. If you don't use Gmail and, and some of these other things in sync, uh, but I'm only going to probably be using it for just the notes because uh, I don't really need that other stuff synced. Uh, but it is a very uh, interesting program. And also I was going to add for some of the other applications I found for this, it, it's actually been fairly exciting. I found an HP 48 calculator uh, emulator on this thing and that uh, uh, I've already used it a few times already. Uh, and I'm so happy to get this back because I used to have this on the, the Palm Centro. There was an emulator for that and I used to use it all the time. And uh, to have it on the touchscreen here, it's actually just a big, huge, full version of this calculator. And this is absolutely great. So I'm really excited to have that. And also, just like I have on my iPad for uh, computer management, uh, VNC clients and RD, uh, RDC clients. So I can remote desktop connection into my work computer because VPN's built in on Android as well. So I can VPN in and do the remote desktop connection uh, and, or, and or the VNC connections directly. So it's definitely a... Uh, uh, a very handy device to do some remote management. You know, it's funny. I, I sent you a lot of recommendations uh, right after you got the device of applications that I like to use on Android. And um, I, I know they're, you know, some of these things are, are, are very exciting, you know, to be able to, to find and use and stuff. Cause you, the Blackberry a lot of times was, was really good at, at some of that, that PIM stuff. But when you got outside of that and other functions that you wanted to, to do, um, they seem very basic now to in smartphones in general. But when you, you're talking about a BlackBerry, you just didn't have the options like you do on the Android or the iOS. No, there, you know, I could not remote desktop connection. In. There's just no way because there, I mean, there's not not a touch screen for one thing, but it, it just like the it, it just wouldn't be able to handle it. it. This is something that's a way, a way more powerful in 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 that kind of thing that you do, especially if you're interfacing with other screens, the, the video processing is much better. The actual CPU is much better. So uh, there's definitely some advantages to this. Yeah. That's, it's kind of fun though. I like, you know, again, I like new phones. I like having something new, especially when it comes down to a different operating system. It, it, it feels like you're, you're kind of relearning uh, a lot of stuff again, but at the same time, it's, it's exciting because you figure out all the additional things that you can do. Um, you know, obviously there's workarounds in many cases and, and you, you get used to it, but uh, anyway, that, that's a lot of fun. We'll hit up uh, some of these other topics here once we get into their respective sections. Uh, also, before the news today, I wanted to mention um, a review that I did this week. 
It's for a device called the Canix Air Blue. Uh, it is a uh, portable Bluetooth music receiver. It's about the size of the lens cap of an SLR lens. So if you if a, an SLR camera, a digital SLR, whatever, uh, it's about that same size and weight, actually. It's extremely light. And it allows you to plug in to it anything with a 3.5 millimeter jack. So whether it's just a patch cable or a cable that goes to RCA on the other end. And uh, then connect to the uh, AirBlue via an A2DP device. So whether it's uh, a smartphone that's got A2DP enabled or a tablet or even a computer, you can take the audio source from any of those devices, stream it through the AirBlue and then onto your home stereo, uh, maybe just you know desktop speakers that you have or uh, even into a car. So that's something that a lot of us have now is the, the auxiliary input uh, on the dash of our car. You can plug this into that and get all of your music streamed over. And before you say, you know, you know, well, I could just plug my phone into it. Let me tell you, this is it's really handy to be able to use it and not have to have that wire, uh, just one less thing to have to deal with on the car. So that is very nice. Um, I've been playing around with this for about a week now. Uh, the sound quality is about what you'd expect. It is not a wired sound quality. So just that being said, it is it is digital compressed audio over a digitally compressed signal, uh, and so there is some degradation in the sound. Uh, though using it, I would say is is you know makes up for that. I think that the user experience is really nice, uh, and I had a I had a lot of fun testing this one out. Yeah, you definitely don't want to use uh use it for hi-fi music. You know, I I don't I, I should have looked this up, but I don't know what the megabits per second or the the kilobits per second uh, bit stream of A2DP is, and I'm sh- I'm sure that's where the limitation you're hitting is uh is that max uh data through the uh through the Bluetooth. Which you know again it's. It, it can be it can be annoying if you're someone who's looking for some real high fidelity, but at the same time, I use this mostly for podcasts. You know, podcasts, I have it yep. plugged in so that I can stream stuff. Uh, what's even nicer is if you have a, a you know the Bluetooth in your car where you can you can just hook into there bluetooth is is um flexible enough where it allows you to be connected uh on to multiple bluetooth devices at the same time so what that means is if you're sitting there listening to your podcast streamed over uh, a2dp over to the AirBlue, and then you get a phone call the car and the device automatically switch over to having the sound go through your car system your your head your hands-free system and that's a really nice thing and then once you hang up the call it just automatically goes back to playing the music or the podcast or whatever it is that you're listening to um it's 50 bucks you can get it at the uh, canix website we'll put a link in the show notes for the entire review i did a video of it as well so if you're someone who likes to watch videos uh you can kind of see how this works uh in you know in whether it's at home or in a vehicle, I actually showed you both ways. So it's it's a pretty neat little device. And uh, thanks to Canix for sending us one over to check out. It was uh, a lot of fun to use. And this is something that I've been thinking about for quite a while. And I just wanted to figure out, you know, a, a, a more uh, portable, easy way to be able to listen to music and, and make it a little bit easier. It's just one of those things that makes it easier. 10 hour battery life on it. So you charge it about once a week, depending on, you know, if you have it in your car, what your commute is, commute is or whatever. And uh, it charges via mini USB. So you can always keep it plugged in if you've got it on a desktop or whatever so pretty flexible pretty nice very light that was one of the things that surprised me the most and uh, it uh, it works well and reliably and i think that's the most important thing when it comes to products like this let's talk about some news this week first off apple on tuesday reported record financial results for the fiscal third quarter of 2011 for the period they reported revenue of 28.57 billion dollars quarterly profits of 7.3 billion that's seven dollars and 79 cents per diluted share this compares with revenue Revenue of 15.7 billion and quarterly profits of 3.2 billion or 351 per share in the same quarter last year. 
They shipped nearly 4 million computers during the quarter. That's 14% uh, over the year ago quarter. Quarterly iPhone sales hit 20.34 million. That's up 142% from last year. They also sold 9.25 million iPads. That's up 183% from last year. Now, according to Steve Jobs, he said, we're thrilled to deliver our best quarter ever. Revenue up 82%, profits up 125%. He said, right now, we're very focused and excited about bringing iOS 5 and iCloud to our users this fall. Guidance for the next quarter has revenue of $25 billion and earnings per diluted share of $5.50. Also during the call, CFO Peter Oppenheimer revealed that it will undergo a feature product transition sometime during the current September quarter. And while not confirmed, this certainly relates to the launch of the iPhone, if you were to ask me. So I'm I'm pretty excited about not only the results, and I've been following Apple very closely um, just because I'm I'm just totally blown away. They're up to almost $400 a share right now, which is just mind-boggling when you think about it. $393 here as uh, as of the recording. Um, You know, where they were in the the 200s, uh, even I think the 100s, if you look back, uh, you know, in 2007, right before the iPhone launched. And uh, so they're just on fire. Current guidance has them over $600 a share. So uh, if you're someone who's following technology stocks, Apple is certainly one to do so. Joey, I, the, I think the, the quarter over quarter and year over year numbers for how many iPhones and iPads is really some of the most impressive stuff. You know, it really is. You, you wonder when this, uh, this, the, the freight train is going to slow down here because it, it, I don't know if they can keep up this pace for for you know that long of time i mean people are gonna get maybe burned out uh, of buying new apple products here at this rate because it's just it's absolutely on fire yeah but you know at the same time you still have uh, what do we talk about the last show you know there's only 50 percent of people or less than 50 percent of people that have smartphones so there's still a long way to go there and you've got uh i don't know what the market penetration is it doesn't matter but it's it's certainly not much higher than 20 percent for max in the you know in the personal computer space not that people are buying computers that much but one of the few companies that's seeing quarter over quarter growth so this was just the first of many quarterly reports so let's hear the other ones here this week on the flip side of the positive you've got nokia they released their q2 earnings on thursday Stephen elop summarizing with our results were clearly disappointing so that's pretty much all you need to know they saw a profit drop of 44 percent to 391 million euros that's down from over 704 million euros last quarter smartphone shipments dropped to 16.7 million units that's down significantly from the same quarter last year when they shipped over 25 million elop also said that windows phone is still slated to be released by nokia later this year so if you're uh, interested in Win- uh, windows phone Keep in in mind that Nokia will be releasing something later this year. And also with these earnings, Apple officially surpassed Nokia as the number one smartphone maker globally. Apple is already the biggest smartphone maker by revenue and profits, but the April to June period was the first time that their sales of over 20 million devices passed Nokia's, which, as I said, were only 16 million units this time. So uh, Nokia continues that slide that uh, we started talking about uh, mid last year. Then Microsoft on Thursday released its fiscal Q4 earnings, reporting record revenues and sales. The quarter ended with $17.4 billion in revenue. That's an 8% increase from the same quarter in 2010, and the year ended with with a record high of $69.9 billion. That's up 12% over last year. The entertainment and devices division led the charge, reporting 45% growth for the year, thanks to Xbox Live and Xbox 360 game consoles, as well as the Kinect controller. Windows Phone 7 was only mentioned briefly and was lumped in with that E&D division. So uh, good news there if you're a Microsoft stock owner as well. 
And then on to the carriers. AT&T Thursday released its second quarter earnings. They had revenues of uh, up 2.2% to $680 million, uh, including five, or excuse me, 9.5% growth in wireless. Customer growth on the cellular side included 1.1 million new subscribers. That's another 310,000 net postpaid subscribers, bringing their total to 98.6 million overall. The carrier said that smartphone sales had their best quarter ever. 5.6 million devices sold, a 43% increase from last year. Further, 3.6 million of those devices sold were iPhones, and 25% of those were new subscribers. ARPU was up 2% to $63.87. And then on Friday, Verizon announces its second quarter earnings. They topped their estimates, and they continue to add subscribers as well. Their revenue was up 2.8% from the second quarter of last year to $27.5 billion. They added 2.2 million new subscribers. Uh, They now have 106.3 million total connections, including 89.7 retail customers. Churn was an impressive 0.89%, under 1%. That's very, very good for one of these postpaid uh, carriers. They also reported sales of 1.2 million 4G LTE devices. So those devices are on a pretty big uptick as well. Now, regarding the iPhone, Verizon activated 2.3 million units for the quarter, which is their first full quarter of iPhone sales. While 1.3 million units less than the 3.6 sold by AT&T, Verizon has only sold the iPhone 4, where AT&T has the sub-$50 iPhone 3GS for sale. In fact, that also came out this week that the iPhone 3GS is now only $9 on a contract. So if you're someone looking for uh, an iPhone, you can certainly pick one up for cheap. Yeah, and AT and T, I I still hear radio ads on the the big local radio show. Uh, red ads for the iPhone 3GS every single morning. So they are they are really pushing that uh, low cost option. Even though I can't recommend it because now it's you know almost two year old hardware that uh, uh, you're going to be missing out on some of the new features of iOS five on there. So I I, I can't recommend getting that. Uh, but it's amazing how much they're pushing that. Yeah, almost two years old. It was uh, actually. It's 25 months old now right now. It was June of 09. So yeah, very, very uh, old there. But back to Verizon, since they began selling the device, they've sold 5.5 million iOS devices. So there you go. They've got uh, almost, what is that? Almost 5% of their network is now running iPhones. Uh, Verizon also announced that CEO... uh, even or Ivan Seidenberg will be stepping down, being replaced by Lowell McAdam. Seidenberg will remain the chairman of the board. And then following the earnings announcements, uh, CEO McAdam spoke with uh, CNBC, and he said uh, about the next iPhone version, we had assumed that we would be seeing it in early summertime. It's been unusual, and it looks like it's going to be a little bit later this year. Well, and you know, in all the reports about the iPhone, uh, maybe not, or the, the sales slowing down of the Verizon iPhone, everybody's waiting for the new version. I mean, everybody knows it comes out in the summer. So why would you buy an iPhone in February, you know, starting in February or, or now when we know a new one is late already. So of course the sales are going to slow down. I mean, of course they are. So it's kind of, uh, you know, I think once this new one uh, hits, there's going to be a, a pent up demand for the new version. So I think it's going to probably explode again. Well, that's this is also you're assuming people that don't care or people that care and a lot of people don't. You know, you had um, a, a large group of people that just hit their two-year mark for their iPhone 3Gs. And they're looking for a brand new phone. They've been putting up with this device for quite a while now. And so the iPhone 4 is a huge jump for them. Uh, You know, it doesn't make any sense for them to keep going in many cases and just just buy a new iPhone 4. I had a, a friend who did that. And I tried to convince him. I said, you know, can you push it off until September? And she said, no, I, I don't care. I, I just want this new phone. She's like, is it fast? I said, yeah. Is it going to get, you know, the updates? Yeah. 
then I don't care. I'm good. You know, it's, I think it's, you know, just a lot of people, it's not a priority to get the latest and greatest. And so they'll just go with it because it's there and it's, it's a good value. Yeah. Very true. I guess it's, uh, it's, it's a really strange, uh, you know, uh, what we got going on here because this yearly refresh cycle, everybody knows when it's going to hit. Unlike a lot of other devices, they're not on any set schedule. They may not ever be updated. You know, the, the Nexus S is going to be changing to something different, but uh, it's just strange how uh, Apple's really got a, a they, they just do everything really different. And, and a lot of people start uh, relying on their schedule. And when it's changed, like it has with the iPhone uh, now that people get a little bit, uh, it, it kind of upsets the uh, Apple cart. Yeah, you get a little little skittish here, like, well, what's going to happen here? Should I, you know, should I wait? Should I do? What should I do? I don't know. But uh, anyway, those were the uh, those were the earnings for this week. I'm sure we'll hear T-Mobile and Sprint come out here in the next week or so, and we'll report on them when we have the info. Taking a look at the current AT and T 4G HSPA rollout map, SideCut reports found an additional 19 cities that now have the high speed service now active. Those locations include a number of places in California, including the greater Los Angeles area, San Diego, Sacramento, Bakersfield, and Modesto. In Texas, you now have service in San Antonio and Austin. In Florida, you're live for Jacksonville and Tampa. Other towns and regions include Minneapolis, Hartford, Syracuse, New York City, Southern New England, uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, St. Louis, Kansas City, Michigan, they just said Michigan, there's certain areas in there, and Anchorage, Alaska. AT&T says that speeds on the enhanced backhaul network can reach up to 6 megabits per second. Actual speeds will vary and depend on several factors. I put a gallery of the coverage maps from AT&T's site on the post, so if you're looking to figure out if you're in one of those areas where the coverage is, you'll see the dark, dark blue coverage uh, is the 4G service, and then the just dark blue coverage is uh, 3G service. So Joey, this makes a lot of sense, though. I was kind of looking around the Minneapolis area obviously it was up to visit you last month and while i was there i had great speeds four plus megabits per second with at&t pretty much everywhere and it looks like their 4g uh, is at least has been active there for about a month or so yeah it's a uh, it's great that they're expanding that because they they really need to to stay competitive right now with the uh the verizon lte launch yeah and you know one pl- thing they don't place they didn't talk about here is phoenix and i've really seen speeds increase dramatically and that's one of the reasons why i haven't just jumped ship very quickly here with at&t is because there was uh you know there's no reason to now that the speeds have have come up quite a bit and they've really hurdled uh you know the 3g current network of uh verizon so if i was going to jump over and buy a verizon phone of course it'd be on the lte network now but now that i'm looking uh, square in the face of a tier tiered uh, stated network or tiered, tiered system i'm not sure what i'm going to do there but anyway at&t had all these different cities so this was good news if you're an at&t customer check that out uh, on the uh, lte side verizon this week passed that 100 market milestone for the number of places they added another 28 cities we talked about it last month including southern areas of southern california vegas uh, phoenix new york city and others they says that they will say they will still have their entire 3g network blanketed with 4g lte by the end of 2013 so no changes there Verizon COO Lowell McAdam Wednesday said he believes the acquisition of T-Mobile by AT&T will happen. He was speaking at Fortune's Brainstorm Tech Conference, and the executive said Verizon's primary worry is that the government could place restrictions on AT&T that may impact Verizon. He said AT&T needs the spectrum and is motivated enough to acquire T-Mobile and will agree that the government will, with whatever the government will want, uh, we don't know what that will affect us, he said. Also this week, Senator Herb Cole, a chairman of the Senate's anti 
Trust Subcommittee recommended that federal regulators deny the acquisition. According to Cole, he said, I've concluded that this acquisition, if permitted to proceed, will likely cause substantial harm to competition and consumers, and this would be contrary to the antitrust law, and it is not in the public interest, and therefore should be blocked by your agencies. AT&T did respond and said that we feel uh, that Cole's view is inconsistent with the antitrust law, and it is shared by few others. He ignores the many positive benefits and numerous supporters of the transaction. This is a decision that will be made by the Department of Justice and the FCC under applicable law, and after full and fair examination of the facts, we continue to believe those reviews will result in approval of the transaction. So back and forth, back and forth, we're still talking about this, and it's not going to be done here for probably, what, six, eight months, something like that? Yeah, probably. It's going to take a long time for all this to to work its way through their systems, but it's uh, it'll probably happen. That's my gut feel. Yeah, and you know what? It doesn't really affect anyone yet. Um, you know, there's a lot of time going into this, but if you're someone, for example, on T-Mobile that's looking to buy a new phone, go buy a new phone. You're going to be able to use that phone on their network for long enough, and if for some reason the network were to change. They're going to help you out. They're going to help you get into a new phone so that they can swap you over to their new network. So no reason to not buy a phone at this point. It's, uh, you know, it is kind of interesting, though, and we'll keep talking about it because it stays in the news. Android Central on Monday posted a screenshot showing that Verizon's upcoming LTE-enabled Samsung Galaxy Tab 10.1 will feature a micro SIM card. This will be a first for Verizon. Currently, the Thunderbolt, Charge, and Revolution LTE devices use the full-size mini SIM. That mirrors the SIM in most GSM. SM devices around the world, Samsung confirmed that the slide that Android Central posted was accurate, and it does appear the cards will be available for launch later this month. And then on Friday, T-Mobile announced that they will offer micro SIM cards that are compatible with uh, Apple's iPhone 4 and iPads. According to T-Mobile, if you already have an iPhone and you just need to activate it, just get a micro SIM card and choose one of our plans. Slip in the ready-to-use micro SIM card into your iPhone and you're ready to go. The card is free with a two-year agreement, so keep that in mind if you're looking to get one of these. Currently, the iOS devices will be limited to edge-only speeds as the current Apple hardware does not support that AWS band used by T-Mobile for its 3 and 4G network. So just keep that in mind. I, I was interested by both of these announcements this week, micro SIM cards from two carriers that don't necessarily need to uh, you know, have these cards available. I guess it makes sense for uh, Verizon since they've got the iPhone 4, but the fact that you can now uh, possibly get this with a Samsung Galaxy Tab 10.1 when the 4G version comes out, which I believe is going to be sometime later this month, uh, could be, uh, we'll talk about that next week if it does, but it could be uh, kind of the, the start of the move over to this new size of SIM. Well, I think we're going to see that uh, on on most devices, Mickey, coming up in the future, just because it saves space. And, uh, you know, space is a premium inside these smartphones. So it, it only makes sense because it does the same function. Why have this big piece of plastic when you just don't need it? That's a good point. And of course, you can buy adapters if you're someone who is wanting to switch back and forth between your devices. Um, I have a couple of those. And so I can take my micro SIM and put it into any SIM enabled device, as long as AT&T doesn't block me from using that device. <laughs> That's right. And those things are what, 50 cents on eBay or a dollar or something. They're so cheap. So it's uh, they're definitely uh, something handy to have if you're swapping devices. That's right. I recommend anyone who who does that, you know, go again. Yeah, they're very, very cheap. I think I got three for a dollar or something something like that, free shipping. 
yeah, they come from China, but whatever, you'll have to wait a couple of weeks. But you've been waiting since you've had the iPhone, so what does it matter for another couple of weeks, right? T-Mobile on Wednesday announced new value plans coming to the carrier on July 24th. That's today. These plans can now be used on T-Mobile devices and offer single and multi-line options with a wide range of price plans for talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data with 2, 5, or 10 gigs of high-speed data. The new value plan pricing with individual lines breaks down as follows. You've got an unlimited plus plan. That's $60 for unlimited voice, texting, and 2 gigs of data, $20 cheaper than T-Mobile's current offering. Then you've got unlimited premium. That's $75 for unlimited voice, texting, and 5 gigs of data, $15 cheaper than their current plan. And unlimited ultra, $105 for voice, texting, and 10 gigs of data, $15 cheaper than their current offering. T-Mobile will continue to offer no contract annual plans with its monthly 4G plans, as well as the pay-as-you-go plans for $0.10 per minute on voice calls. The new plans also do something interesting, replacing the traditional phone hardware found in traditional plans and replace it with a more transparent down payment and agreement to pay it off over 20 months with interest-free payments option. The monthly plans are now referred to as equipment installment plans, and they end after 20 months. Customers can bring their own phone, and they do not have to put any money down up front for the plan. So, a little confusing. I don't quite understand everything that they're going on with these here, but basically you're going to pay a little bit less for your plans. You're going to still get a subsidy if you choose to, but it's just going to be called a little bit uh, of it, you know, different and uh, you'll be paying uh, less because of it. Or if you want to bring your own phone, you can buy something unlocked or bring something that you have. If you don't necessarily care about the higher speed data, you can bring a phone that's unlocked from AT&T even bring it over to the carrier, launch uh, a service with one of these plans and pay much less than you currently do. Very much, uh, you know, something that people have enjoyed about T-Mobile. So I think that's great that they're doing that. Virgin Mobile Tuesday updated one of its prepaid plans, the Payload plan, uh, increasing the number of messages and the data limits on it. Keeping up with the affordable $30 price plan, the Payload offering now includes 1,500 messages and 30 megs of data, while voice minutes remain at 1,500. The tripling of the text and data is a welcome increase. No changes were made to the 400-minute and basic rate Payload plans. Well, thanks to our first sponsor of the show, Square Trade. Protect your investment through a special offer from the company. They offer prices 70% lower than in-store warranties. And if you visit squaretrade.com slash junkie, you'll get an additional 25% off your order. Square Trade offers a five-day guarantee, meaning you'll either have a fixed device or your money back within five days or less. Visit squaretrade.com slash junkie. Click on get a warranty, choose your device, and once you're done, you'll see your listener discount for 25% off your total purchase. Thanks to Square Trade for sponsoring the show. Well, Sprint on Monday announced the Motorola Titanium would be going on sale on Sunday, July 24th, $150 with a $100 mail-in rebate. The first Android 2.1 device with Sprint Nextel's Direct Connect, the phone features a full QWERTY keyboard, 3.1-inch touchscreen, and meets the 810G military specifications. Joey, very much like the expert here, except this one obviously runs on the Sprint Nextel network, so I think it's a good option for those that are looking to uh, keep up with their push-to-talk services and uh, upgrade to a better Android device. Yeah, it's something that they, they, they've really let uh, Slider, the the updated smartphones on the Nextel network. I mean, it took a long time to get anything of value uh, for a smartphone on Nextel, but now there's a few choices. I mean, there's some Blackberries, there's a couple of Android phones, but this is definitely the one to uh, go for with the Nextel network, which of course is supposedly shutting down here anytime soon. So I'm, I'm almost not exactly sure why they put this phone out, but it's definitely a good choice. 
Yeah, you mentioned uh, that they had the Motorola i1 that was launched last year. They, uh, they that one was, I think, a, a either a was it a donut phone? I think it was donut 1.6 probably. So uh, again, that was a mil- military spec 810G device as well, and they, they're kind of a neat device if you're looking for something that still keeps up with like they said that push to talk service because some people still do use that, uh, but you want to get something that's a little bit better. The Motorola Titanium available 150 dollars for you starting today. Samsung president of mobile Shin Jong Kyun has told. Korean reporters this week, we expect to release the Galaxy S2 in the U.S. market sometime in August. No other specifics were mentioned, though the S2 features a 4.3-inch Super AMOLED Plus display and does have a dual-core processor. This is one of the top phones of 2011. There's a lot of people here in the U.S. that have been looking to get their hands on this one, so we will see if we see this one. That could be as soon as next month. Lenovo Wednesday announced two new Android Honeycomb tablets, the IdeaPack K1 and the ThinkPad. Both have a 10.1-inch 1280x800 screen, NVIDIA Tegra 2 processor, and Android 3.1. The K1 is available with 32 gigs of storage and available in the U.S. for $499 and worldwide starting next quarter. The ThinkPad comes with 16 or 32 gig options and will be available starting on August 2nd. The 16 gig version runs 479 without the stylus, 509 with it, and the 32 gig model is available for 589 with a stylus. A week ahead of the in-store launch, T-Mobile made the MyTouch Slide 4G available for purchase on Wednesday via its website. The 4G slide is available for $200 after mail-in rebate. Samsung on Thursday announced that an AT&T version of the Nexus S from Samsung would be available starting on Sunday, July 24th. The pure Google device will run Android 2.3 Gingerbread, has the same 1 gigahertz processor as the Sprint and T-Mobile Brethren, and a 4-inch Super AMOLED display comes with a 5-megapixel camera. The device is available at Best Buy and Best Buy mobile stores only for $99 with a two-year agreement or $529 contract free. Now, this one got a lot of people pretty excited because it, it, it's the first uh, you know, Nexus device to officially be sold with, uh, I don't want to say AT&T branding, but uh, uh, you know, on the AT&T network, or at least as a device that is for AT&T specifically. Obviously, the Nexus One was available with AT&T bands, but there is never any official support for it. So I've got a couple of questions about it so far, or still that I think are unanswered, but it's now available. I would love to know if someone goes and picks it up. Is this an unlocked device? Can you put any SIM card in it? Uh, or are you going to be stuck to AT&T? Uh, obviously, this would make a big difference. For those that are looking to buy this device contract-free, uh, 529 is not a, a bad price for it. I mean, it's kind of your typical you know, unsubsidized phone price, but at the same time, you can get it cheaper online. Yeah, because you can get that white unlocked version for what under four hundred, right? Or four sixty nine. Four sixty nine. Okay, so that's definitely a good savings. Plus something a little unique too with the white color, I guess. I guess, yeah. You know, again, this is available at Best Buy only. So if you're looking to get it, you're going to have to deal with going to Best Buy and not an, an AT and T carrier store. But you know, Best Buy stores are located all over the country. So if you're someone interested in it, you may want to check that one out. And finally, T Mobile announcing Thursday the HTC Wildfire S coming on August third. The device features a 600 megahertz processor, 3.2 inch 320 by 480 display, 5 megapixel camera, and 3G data. The phone will be $80 with a two year agreement and mail in rebate, and will be offered in either black or white. 
The phone is available at T-Mobile stores, T-Mobile.com, and select Walmart and Sam's Club locations. Again, that will be available on August 3rd. Well, if you're looking for another way to support the cell phone junkie, you can join us on TCPJ Unlocked. That's our bi-monthly premium podcast. $5 a month, $12 a quarter, or $45 for the year. We'll give you in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link for TCPJ Unlocked. A big thank you to everyone that subscribes. Now, this week, we focused on Google Plus and distributed antenna systems on this week's Unlock Show, and we also talked a little bit about what we thought was going to be happening with RIM come next year. So a lot of great stuff. Make sure you subscribe to check it out. CNN on Monday released updated versions of their applications for the iPhone and iPad. The update brings the ability to watch the cable news network live on your device. The CNN app is free but requires a cable subscription for use. Now, I am a big news fan as well as a a cellular news fan, of course, and so I I was very interested when I saw this. I've got both iPhone and iPad devices to check this out on, and I was able to get it working, but I did notice that there were some issues Um, Every once in a while when I'd go to launch it, uh, the live TV would ask me to either re-enter the credentials or would say that Cox is not a supported carrier or that it wasn't, uh, it couldn't connect properly. So still some bugs to work out with this one. But if you're someone who doesn't have access to, say, a sling box where you can watch any of your cable channels while you're on the go. Uh, This is something nice to see. And, you know, you obviously can keep up with the latest news by simply going to the app and reading it. But it is nice sometimes to be able to watch it. Google Plus for the iPhone on Tuesday was approved and made available through the iTunes App Store. The app providing access to a user's stream huddles, photos and circles. The app is free, but only available on the iPhone. No iPad application here. And then about two hours after the app was released, an update was made available. According to the lead project manager, he says, we discovered an issue with the version of the iPhone Google Plus application that was on the App Store. When we launched, the App Store started serving a previous text version of the app, which didn't have the stability and fixes that the latest version had. It started serving the correct version a little later. If you downloaded within the first hour and 40 minutes, you may have downloaded the older test version. To check, you can click the gear icon on the top left of your app's home screen and look for the version number. It should be 1.01.18. So look for 1809. That's the version that you want. The release notes say that there is now a better uh, better support for uh, blocking huddle messages as well. So you don't have to receive all of the huddles that are being sent to you. Um, I checked this one out. I got my update two hours later. And I don't really use it. I don't know. Google Plus, we talked about it on the Unlock Show. And um, I guess it's nice to be able to go and, and see just a totally different stream. Uh, like any social network, um, it, it's, it was very exciting when it first launched. It's faded a little bit for me. Uh, we'll see how things go here. I noticed a lot more people are using this device uh, or this service versus other services. They've kind of made the transition. A lot of people don't like Facebook. A lot of people are getting you know tired of Twitter or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm, the jury's still out for me on this one. It's nice to see there's a, a mobile application here now. Uh, I, I sit there and I, I launch it. I look through a couple of things. It's still, it feels very cluttered to me. There's a lot of commentary on a lot of the, 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 the posts on the stream out there. And I'm not, I'm not sure about it yet. Maybe uh, you know, it'll just take some time here and, and let me kind of do some things to get it a little bit more dialed in. But I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Next, free voice over IP application Viber made its way to Android this week, offering free no account voice over IP calling usable over Wi-Fi and 3G connections. 
First announced on the iOS last year, Viber uses your current phone number and your contact list and lets you make direct, high-quality voice over IP calls for no monthly charges. The app also features the ability to send SMS messages to each other, which are really just text messages within the application. Uh, but then also you uh, have the have access to 12 million active users of the Viber application. Viber for Android is a free app and can be downloaded from the Android market. Netflix on Wednesday more than doubled its number of devices in its movie streaming service and will function on now uh, 24 devices, uh, increasing from just nine. The updated app is now in the market and now functions on the Droid 3, HTC Thunderbolt, Motorola Atrix, and several Galaxy S phones, uh, and also more. There's a full list we'll put in the show notes here, so if you're interested in uh, watching uh, Netflix on your Android device, you can probably now do it. Joey, this is pretty interesting. Obviously, you know, you've got a Nexus S now. You mentioned that you've been able to, to use it here and, and check this out. Uh, other people are saying that all you need to do is, once you download it for your device, if you want to use the application on, say, a tablet that are not currently in the supported list, you just need the, the APK file, and you can just drag it over and install it on a number of other devices as well. So it looks like they're kind of getting their stuff together, and so Netflix is quasi-official now on Android. Yeah, it's uh, definitely growing. I know, like, the the Transformer, the Triple E uh, pad transformer you can uh, if you do the root access you can definitely get Netflix running on that no problem I know that's kind of a, a hot tablet right now as well so we've got uh, more tablets coming which is good and and as the device uh, list grows it'll be just just that much better and it it's definitely neat to have it on the uh, the Nexus S here and have you you said you, you'd watched a little bit of it the um, how have you noticed have you has it been over Wi-Fi over 3g over 4g what is what have you tried it on you know what? The only I, I just tried it today, actually, for the very first time. I installed the app, but never. I, I've been really busy, so I actually haven't played a lot with this Nexus S. But I tried it today when I was in a 4G area, and it uh, it, it took just uh, the first couple seconds to uh, buffer it, and the uh, the first video was a little uh, rough and blocky. But then after about uh, maybe 10 seconds, it smoothed out and looked basically uh, high res. So it was uh, it played great. Yeah, Netflix is is still got a pretty good thing going. You know, for just the the streaming only eight dollars a month it's it's not a bad value if you're not going to be doing anything with the dvds so check that one out if you're interested and you've got one of these devices rim released blackberry playbook os 1.0.7.2670 on wednesday the 311 megabyte update is mostly bug fixes though a blackberry bridge app issue is also addressed BlackBerry enthusiast site N4BB recently found a download link for RIM's Android app player and for the BlackBerry playbook. They allow access to the early build of the software, and the app allows users to run a virtual Android environment on the playbook, though it's still an early release and there are still many bugs and significant lag. CrackBerry took the time to install and create a walkthrough of the software. While still in beta, the concept is decent. We'll put a link uh, for the video in the notes. It's definitely an interesting uh, concept here to actually see it in real life now. It's 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 nice to see they're working on it. It's something that probably will come soon. Um, of course, it'd be nice if these applications were native, but this could really give the a playbook a good edge. That's for sure um, because it's offering the the kind of the BlackBerry experience, well, at least it's supposed to uh, at some point here with the with you know native clients coming. But uh, it's something they definitely need, and of course they needed it uh, right at launch, but. Uh, because more and more Android tablets now are uh, becoming competition to this as well. So uh, hopefully they can get this out soon. I, I kind of like uh, the, the playbook. I, I see the commercials. You know, we, we've we've seen it, uh, you know, at CES. 
And um, th- there's a lot to to like about it. There's also a lot to be frustrated with about it. You know, the lack of application support and and whatnot is it just doesn't seem like it's it's going to take off until they get that. And you know, it's really going to be on the developer side. But uh, you know, I, I I do still like it. I I like the size because it's portable. Um, you know, you you've talked about wanting a larger tablet, and I can see that as well. But for just the sheer. Uh, I don't know the functionality side of it. It's kind of neat. I'm still a BlackBerry user, and so I think I could I could you know take a take a little uh, you know take a little side trip with this one and still be very happy with it and set my iPad aside and, and have no problems with it. But um, still don't have one. No real plans to buy one. But uh, you know something like this could potentially sway me over to that side, especially if you know I'm I'm still not using an Android based device. So we'll uh, we'll see how that works and when they eventually get that out. Uh, there was a, a comment from Rim as well about this leak, and they said that they're on track for a release of the app player later this summer, but the version that inadvertently was posted has since been removed, and uh, so you shouldn't be using it. Starting on Monday, Sprint will begin the rollout of an update for its Nexus S4G, making it available to all users within the next three weeks. Following feedback from users, Sprint says that they have identified ways to improve the performance of the 4G data speeds and signal strength for users. The software update also improves Wi-Fi connectivity, speakerphone audio quality, Quality and adds uh, the TYY or TTY support for the deaf and hard of hearing. Joey, this could uh, be something good for you if you're uh, not seeing the 4G service, at, you know, up to par that you think it should be. Maybe this is going to fix that for you. Yeah, it very well could because uh, at my office, as we talked about during the Nexus S uh, 4G review, I had 4G coverage in the morning, and then like after an hour or so, it was gone, and I couldn't get it back throughout the day. So this could definitely be related to that because that doesn't make any sense to me that why would it be there for a bit and then go away basically for the rest of the day? Just the, the rotation of the earth, you know, because the, the sun is on a different side of the planet. Um, wait, aren't we aren't the site? No. OK. Uh, anyhow, but, I, you know, here's the other thing, too. Is this going to affect that tethering thing that we, you were you're mentioning? Are, is there any uh, word about this? I know you've been doing a little research on that. You know, there's there's uh, no word on that yet, obviously, because not many people have this particular update, which was supposed to actually be out a few weeks ago. Somehow it got delayed because of some issues with it. So um, I, I just don't know yet uh, if it's going to affect the tethering that's uh, right now available in the Nexus S on Sprint. Which I know is a big deal to you, and that would be that would be frustrating. That's kind of like rock hard place for Joey. Do I want 4G service or do I want to keep my tethering? Well, definitely the tethering because uh, I, I rarely narrate with 4G. So you can always root. You know, you can always root and install some sort of application that allow you to do it outside of the the you know the Sprint stuff. Yep, and that would probably be the the next course of action, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, anyway, it looks like this should be starting tomorrow. So if you're a Nexus S user uh, on the Sprint network, make sure you keep a lookout for this. Uh, if you're concerned about things like tethering going away and stuff like that, make sure you uh, click no and wait and see what the support forms say for people that take it. Motorola on Friday posted an update for the Atrix 4G, bringing Android 2.3 Gingerbread to the users of the AT&T device. The update brings the device to version 4.5.9.1. It's a manual download and installation. It also updates Atrix users, uh, lets them install, excuse me, from unknown sources, meaning places like the Amazon App Store. So if you're looking to install and sideload applications, this will let you do it. 
Well, let's talk about some questions and comments here. First one is a comment from Wallace. He says, uh, regarding last week's comment, I called T-Mobile and hangled over a, the new fee. I have six lines and I really didn't want to leave. So they gave me a $10 credit per month and moved two lines to upgrade eligible on a new contract. If you really wanted to leave, or if I really wanted to leave, I may have been able to get more, but I am more than happy. Thanks for your hard work and all that you do, Wallace. Well, that's very good to, to note. We talked about last week that uh, that service fee that was going up. And, uh, you know, this is the regulatory fee. And uh, this is something that obviously I, I would expect from T-Mobile. They're going to give you a credit to make you happy, make, basically make you go away. Uh, you know, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to be able to leave because of it. But, um, you know, contracts a contract. I, again, like you said last week, Joey, I don't know why they do this. Why do they just not wait until people renew contracts and then tack this on at the, you know, at the top? But, uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, it's uh, good to hear you. Thank you, Wallace, for following up on that. Next one is a comment from Arnie. He says, hi again. I wrote you last week with your uh, regarding your help for the Android market. You suggested Market Enabler. I promptly searched it out and installed it, and it works like a charm on my phone. I found a permanent route for my Arcos. Also, I did it and applied the Market Enabler to it, and now this works without any trouble as well. Thank you for making the situation so easy. It made me really happy, and I very much appreciate it. Thank you much, Arnie. Well, Arnie, that's what we are here to do. If you have any questions uh, like, uh, like this that we can help you out with, make sure that you always get in touch with us. So hopefully, we can find you an answer. Next is a question from Sean. He says, I plan to cancel AT&T when my contract ends in a month. I'm sick of dropped calls and the internet goes fast and then slows down and then goes fast and then slows down. Uh, when I plan to, ch- I plan to change over to Sprint and uh, I, from what I can see, it is not much cheaper, but it has better service. I'm sick of AT&T getting Google phones so late in the game. Uh, what do you think of, uh, think about Sprint as, for, as far as a better service? Do you like CDMA or GSM better? Thanks, Sean. Uh, well, obviously, Sean, you know, we are two people here that uh, can certainly talk to you about this. I've got AT&T. Joey has Sprint. I also have Verizon. And uh, we have both used uh, T-Mobile prepaid. So we have used all the services. And um, I can tell you, uh, personally, I think for service coverage and for the reliability of service, CDMA is a better technology, but it's not because of the technology. It's because of the networks that are out there. And uh, particularly Verizon's Verizon is the most reliable for me. Now that doesn't mean for everybody, but that's what it means for me. Now, personally, I stick with AT&T because the service, um, while not perfect, has allowed for faster speeds in many areas as of late. Um, I was, uh, you know, kind of thinking maybe I switch away from them, but have since thought better of it, and I'm going to be waiting it out here and see what happens later in the fall. Uh, but I also am under the uh, impression that, you know, Joey may be in a totally different situation of someone who has been using Sprint for a while. So I don't know, Joey, how do you how do you answer this question for him? Do you uh, like your Sprint service? And why do you stick with them? Well, yes, I do like the Sprint service. Um, it, it's uh, it works very well for me and basically wherever I travel, because um, uh, where I don't have Sprint service native, it will roam on to uh, Verizon slash Altel, you know, or what's left of Altel. So it provides me coverage, you know, data roaming, which a lot of times it's 1x, sometimes it's EVDO roaming. Uh, but phone calls, you know, almost always work. Uh, and then, of course, the, the value that Sprint provides as far as the price goes. It is cheaper than Verizon. So uh, those are the two two reasons there. 
One of the big things for me has been the simultaneous voice and data. I do enjoy that. And that's that's an HSPA thing. That's not GSM. GSM, of course, uh, only you know supports the same thing as 1X, which is you know one or the other. Um, but on the CDMA side, you have uh, the EVDO network, which uh, will allow you to take a phone call while you're in a data session, but the data totally cuts out and you cannot use the data once you're uh, on the phone call, which is, of course, the difference uh, in the HSPA side. And that's why you can talk and text on your phone at the same time or talk and browse the web, I should say, on your phone at the same time on AT&T. Uh, but, you know, other than that, uh, not, not a whole lot of difference. You know, some phones are going to sound better than others. Some people swear by CDMA. Um, I think I've got a Verizon BlackBerry curve here. I think it sounds like garbage. I think it's it's absolutely awful as far as sound quality is concerned. I don't think the iPhone is perfect, but it's definitely much better. Well, and then also the iPhone has two microphones, right, for the noise canceling. And some, and some phones have that, of course, which will make them sound better. Uh, typically back in the day, um, the CDMA phones always did sound much better than GSM, but of course now your quote unquote GSM phones, which are running 3G, are no longer using GSM for phone calls. So they sound better now than they used to because they're running on a totally different uh, network now for to, to move that uh, phone call over. So uh, you know the the difference between CDMA or CDMA and GSM, yes, there's a big difference in sound quality uh, as far as the system goes, but with a 3g phone now that's that that's no longer uh, a comparison anymore so uh it's really kind of really what's uh, good in the area so obviously the the hspa the underlying technology is wcdma which is a, a different uh, different than a cdma network but it's a it's wideband cdma so it's still a code division type of technology which means that you're going to get the benefits of of how the technology actually processes the data and stuff like that so that's a very, very you know good reason why it may sound similar to some of the old CDMA calls that you have is because it's using a similar type of technology. Um, but you know you, that CDMA versus GSM battle, it's uh, boy, that's you know one for the ages, right? There's never going to be a perfect solution for everybody. And let me just throw out, I haven't talked about it in a while, but my ninety percent rule: um, if you are using a phone, uh, typically you're using it in you know ninety percent of the places that you are are the same: your home, your work, your commute in between, maybe a friend's house or a school or whatever it is. But those places that you use it, you spend 90% of your time there. When you try out a new phone or a new service, make sure that you're comfortable with it in those places because that's where you're using it most. And let's say you you get a phone and it doesn't work in your house. You are never going to be happy with it, even if you've got the best deal in the world and you know everything is, is great. The phone is great, but the service is bad. Don't stick with it. It's not going to work for you. So Use that 90% rule and make sure when you switch over, if you do make that jump over to Sprint, use it, use it, use it. Data, phone calls, texting, everything that you would normally do, do it you know, to an exponential amount so that you know you can be comfortable with using that phone as your primary connection in all of those places. If it works everywhere for you, you're going to be happy. I cannot tell you how many times I call 611 when I'm testing out a phone or a service or whatever just to, you know, to hold a phone call and, you know, walk around, drive around, do whatever it is. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It doesn't use any minutes and you can hold a connection on a phone call and test out how the service works. It's a, it's a nice little trick and it helps you to, uh, you know, to really get a, a good sense of how that service is. Um, and you get to listen to all the, the interesting things that the carrier has to say to doubt their network at the same time. <laughs> Next one here is a question from David. He says, good evening, Mickey and Joey. I really enjoyed this week's podcast, and I always learn a lot 
from listening to The Cell Phone Junkie. We have three Androids in our house in Denver, Colorado, an Evo 4G, an Epic 4G, and a Dell Streak 7. My wife purchased uh, over 250 commercially produced DVD movies. We would like to be able to view them over our, on our Android devices. What software will allow me to rip the DVD movies for playing on Android? I heard that Handbrake might work, but Handbrake's website says that the Windows version will not allow ripping if they are commercial, commercial DVDs with copy protection. Uh, do you have a recommended solution for viewing the commercial movie DVDs on my Android? Thanks for your good information, David. Well, first off, David, uh, we, I can't say this without uh, really kind of prefacing by saying um, commercial movies or mo- DVDs that you buy, you're actually buying a license to a single uh, copy of that. And that copy is that actual DVD. Now, that being said, a lot of people take that to, well, I own the movie. I should be able to watch it wherever. But understanding that what um, you know, what the industry says uh, is your license for that movie is the actual DVD. There are pieces of software out there that will allow you to essentially break uh, that license and do something else with it. Uh, Handbrake is one that I have actually used uh, to watch the DVDs that I have, uh, and that uh, I use on the Mac side. Now, I've had limited uh, success with the copy protection of some of the DVDs. Um, I've, I've had some of them that have worked. Some of them cause audio issues. Some of them cause video issues or kind of jumbling of all the tracks. Uh, there are a lot of things that can happen, but uh, depending on the year when it was released, depending on the movie studio that it was released from, you may have success. And um, I've used it actually on Mac and Windows now that I think about it, and I've been able to use Handbrake on Windows, and it's worked for me. This is kind of a multifaceted uh, question because it, it you have to first of all rip the DVD, so you have to get the data off the DVD um, onto your onto your computer. Uh, then you have to take that uh, information and then uh, massage it to how you want it. So you want it down to an Android video player. So you need to do the the video conversion on that, which is you know the format that you choose. It kind of varies uh, it, depending on what you the ultimate destination. If it's just going to be the Android, if we can do it on a computer as well. Um, so then that's a process there. Then third, obviously you need a video player for Android. Since I just got into Android, I don't know a good video player to recommend right now on that. Obviously being able to play the content that you rip is important. And so there, there are some free ones out there. Um, V player is a pretty good one. Uh, I've used that one in the past. I've also used, I'm trying to remember which other ones I've used cause I have tried a few out there. Um, if you just do a quick search for, you know, mobile video player on Android, you're going to find some. Um, Arc Media has got a number of codecs that it supports. Um, Cubed is another one out there, and uh, Double Twist as well. So you've got you've got a number of options out there. I don't have a I would say a favorite. Oh, Mort Player. Mort Player is actually when I goes way back to the Windows days. I've used Mort Player uh, since way back then. So you do have a lot of options out there for ways you can play this stuff, and you don't have to uh, you know you don't have to you know be you don't have to buy one necessarily if you don't want to but um how about on the the windows side joey for the actual ripping of the dvd what do you recommend okay for the ripping side the only thing that i really know that actually works right now is uh, something called any dvd and it's uh, by slicesoft.com and it's it's a software that they they update absolutely constantly because uh this movie studio has put out uh new discs constantly and the the copy protection schemes are are constantly changing and uh, really, that's your only choice to to rip DVDs uh, that are new and, and uh, current. Now, if your movie collection is no more than five years, uh, if, if it's five years and older, as far as the DVDs go, I would recommend a, a free software that hasn't been updated in years because it was taken down, but you can still get it. It's called DVD Decryptor, and that'll read pretty much all of your old discs, no problem. It can take out the user prohibited operations. It can uh, do a bunch of other little tweaks to, to, to make the, the DVD rips better. Um, 
so that's uh, that's kind of basically where you can do. You can also do DVD shrink, but DVD decryptor is better just to make an ISO file. So then you can get that ISO file, which is basically a DVD image on your computer, which will it'll be in the eight gigabyte uh, range uh, max, and it'll go lower from that. If it's a single sided or a, a single layer disc, it'll be just a a four gig file. So then now that you've got this, uh, got it ripped to your computer, then you have to do a video conversion on it to something to, to that that's compressed, probably in MPEG-4 style format to either a DivX or XVID um, or an MP4, depending on uh, the, the, the video player you choose. And then, of course, the quality and then the, the bit stream, the bit rate as far as the, the video goes and the audio goes because they're two separate components needed to be need to be decided upon. And then from that is where you'll get the final uh, size of the video. So it's definitely it, it's not an just easy uh, process. And I know there are there is some software that'll do the conversion for you. Um, I, I really I'm not familiar with uh, with what's out there currently. I use something called Auto GK, but that's kind of more of a a geekier style um, uh, program to do uh, XVID uh, conversions to uh, watch on my computers and the uh, like uh, home uh, media players that I use. So uh, I really don't have much of a recommendation right now for video conversion utilities. So that's the one nice thing about Handbrake, and, and that's why I've used it, is because it just allows me to take a, a DVD, put it in, it does the rip and the conversion over to, um, I, I can't remember what I even converted to, It's it, it's, it specifically says, uh, you know, like Apple format, so it plays on iPad, iPhone, Apple TV, and it's really, really nice in that regard, so I don't have to deal with any other codecs, it just does it right away for me. So since you said uh, ripping sometimes is an issue, what you can do with... Um uh, with the uh, the any DVD, once you get the the rip in the ISO format, you can then mount that uh, ISO format as a new drive letter. In Windows, you uh, you'll probably have to get a utility for that. Uh, in Apple, it's uh, built into the Mac OS, and then you can mount that as a DVD drive, and then you can use Handbrake to do the video conversion. So uh, it, it's it's uh, something you can definitely then do at that point. So we're going to put links to all of these pieces of software in the show notes. If you go under question from David, you're going to be able to uh, see where all of these links are. So if you didn't get a chance to write them all down, just head over to the cellphonejunkie.com under podcasts and under question from David. That's where you'll get all of those links. And finally today, a question from Bill. He says, Mickey and Joey, I'm a regular listener who looks forward to your weekly updates. I recently traveled to the UK and decided that rather than bringing my Verizon Droid 2 for local use, I would purchase a SIM after I arrived. I dusted off and packed my trusty unlocked T-Mobile HD 2. And when I arrived in London, I purchased a Tesco mobile SIM. I installed it. And after playing with some minor issues resolving revolving APN settings, I was rocking voice, text, and data for a very reasonable price. The weekend of nostalgia with the HD2 reinforced my opinion that the HD2 was a prime example of great hardware handicapped by a marginal operating system, i.e. Windows Mobile 6.5. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts on, uh, even two years uh, after the device was released, the basic specs and features of this phone can still hold their own against my current smartphones. This brings me to the question, I understand that there has been success porting Android builds to this device and would like to attempt it, but with the limited research I've done, the process looks somewhat intimidating and is not always successful even when followed precisely. Although I'm a longtime smartphone user, starting back with the Trio 650, I've never attempted any jailbreaking or rooting. Is this something I should attempt, or is there a source that you know of that provides 
provides a precise step-by-step, even the obvious stuff, instructions. Keep up the good work and appreciate any advice you can provide. All right, Bill. Well, the first thing I would say is for a bootable way to run Android on Windows Phone uh, or Windows Mobile, a great tutorial over on androidspin.com. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, there also is one over at the website, theunlocker.com, which I'll put in there as well. And then I, I found a video too that talks about the process. Um, this is, again, a bootable way. So it's a way that once you install it on the Windows mobile uh, operating system, it's it's like sits on your SD card type of solution. And then you click on it and you can launch into Android and then use Android on there. Um, you know, it, it does look like a fun project uh, to look into. I, I, what, if I had one sitting around, I would certainly take a look into it myself, but um, I've never done it, so I can't tell you that any of these solutions are going to work perfectly, although the uh, the authors of each of these articles in the video do seem to know what they're doing, so that's why I've got three different options for you here, so check those out and uh, see if you like them, but I don't know, Joey, if you have any uh, any other recommendations for them. You know, at this point, the, the age of that device, yeah, it's still pretty capable hardware, but, you know, there's a, a lot of devices you could probably get on eBay that have been used for probably not too bad of a price, and you could probably sell this one for not that much, uh, you know, less. So yeah, it's kind of a, it, it's definitely, you have to ask yourself, you know, what is it worth, you know, the time to invest in and, and what things aren't going to work on the phone versus getting one that was, of course, native with Android. But again, it's, you know, this is something I would totally do. You know, you, you, you have this old phone sitting around and you go, you know, I just want to play with this. I want to, I want to, if I, especially if you haven't used Android before or you haven't used a, a lot, well, obviously you've got a Droid 2, so you have, and so you're comfortable with that. But it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat thing. It's like a good fun weekend project to me. You know, I totally agree. I, I, I love hacking and cracking things and, and making something do what it really wasn't supposed to. And that's that's where Android gets a lot of its uh, uh, interest in, too, because there is a huge community of uh, of people who, who, you know, try to tweak it and modify it. You know, if you get the uh, the, the hacked ROMs that you can install on, on many, many different uh, Android phones, you can really expand the options that are available to the user that are in the system, but they're hidden because they're, you know, there's overkill for, for the for most users but it's a it's it's a real interesting um you know community that uh, build these custom roms and and do the hacking and you know modifying and you know that's why you can put netflix on devices that aren't officially supported and and all this stuff so it's it's kind of fun and i really kind of like android for that regard and i think that everything that they that goes along with this and the fact that you can take a, a, a device that is essentially the same as the HD seven. Um, and at the same time, um, still, ve- and that's, I guess, Windows phone, isn't it? But still very much the, um, no, the HD seven, that was the, the Android one. See, there's, there's the hardware is so similar with all of these. That's, that's, what's kind of neat about it. So you absolutely can, you know, can take it and, and it will work. There's going to be some functions that don't work. So just keep that in mind. You know, maybe you will have a driver issue. So you can't use the, you know, the microphone to record, uh, you know, voice notes or something like that. Something may come up like that, but overall the, the actual experience of, of using it to be able to take advantage of Wi-Fi and 3g and stuff like that. And should just be fun, you know, just just play around with it. And if you find something that works really well for you out of all these that we used, let us know so we can provide that back to anyone else who may ask. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 206-203-3734. Leave us a voicemail there. We'll get it on the show. You can follow all of the news that we talk about on here over at thecellphonejunkie.com, or if you prefer Facebook, facebook.com slash thecellphonejunkie, or on Twitter at twitter.com slash cellphonejunkie. So Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. 
For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.